Matthias Holwick, thank you very much indeed for talking to Judge Business School White Paper podcast series today. You've just published the Lean Tool book, fourth edition. Can you just tell us why a fourth edition? It must have been popular. <laughs> well, the first three editions were indeed very popular and have been uh, widely used. Uh, initially, um, this book was meant for industry, for practitioners to pick up and uh, have a, a reference guide that they can go back to and uh, look up You know, a particular tool. I mean, operations management is always riddled with acronyms, and uh, we always joke about the TLAs, the three-letter acronyms that are being used widely, JIT, TQM, and so on. So we wanted a, a reference guide that people can go back to and, and read a short, succinct paragraph, no waffle, no nonsense, what is this all about? And that proved to be very popular. Um, Interestingly, it was not just popular in industry, but also in academia, where a lot of students picked up on this and uh, have used this widely in, uh, in, in their classroom work. So um, that's why there's a fourth edition, because we've had a very great success in the first three ones. Well, to those who aren't in the know or aren't in the sector, what do you mean by the Lean Toolbox? Well, Lean, um, of course, is not a, a toolbox as such. Um, however, uh, it is a philosophy, it's a mindset of continuous improvement, dynamic learning. And that's, of course, what made Toyota the uh, now largest car manufacturer in the world. That's the concept, the Toyota way that, that drives it. Uh, within that, however, there are a wide range of good tools that one should know about when one goes about implementing Lean in, uh, in their, or their own respective organization. So what we wanted was a reference guide, uh, a toolbox that people can go to and see which tools actually fit within their Lean initiative. Uh, so a reference guide, a dictionary, and we deliberately keep it short and then guide people on to further reading to make sure that they understand the, the key concepts and then, then can go and learn more if, if needed. Can these lean toolbox concepts apply to the economy today when it's contracting? Surely that's just the kind of lesson that manufacturing and other companies need to learn. Indeed, yes. I mean, as the economy is contracting, the, the pressure on cost saving uh, is ever greater. And uh, that, that has put a lot of emphasis on uh, implementing lean, not just in manufacturing, but across all sectors, services, public services. And uh, so we're seeing an, a growing interest um, now, of course, lean is not a tool for cost reduction itself, right? Lean is all about increasing um, uh, the customer value proposition. So as a secondary benefit, there is the cost reduction, but one should not go about lean as a means for cost reduction or even headcount reduction. But in fact, this is a means of becoming better, uh, increasing the value that you provide to your customer, which then as a secondary effect, it does indeed, of course, uh, uh, reduce costs and make you more competitive. But as you say, I mean, as the economy contracts, the pressure is on. So those who get there first will be those that uh, most likely will live. And have we seen a lean evolution, if you like? You studied the manufacturing industry. Have we seen it then go into other sectors too, particularly with China and India on the rise? Well, as, as probably uh, most people are aware, this, this concept of lean started out as the Toyota production system in the car industry. So high-volume, repetitive manufacturing. And most concepts actually uh, come from one specific sector and then generally stay there and are surpassed by another concept. The interesting fact about Lean is that it has evolved uh, from this one sector concept to be being applied pretty much anywhere. So Lean has been through several phases of evolution from automotive to manufacturing in general and now onto services. Uh, we've seen the greatest interest for, of, of, uh, for Lean now in healthcare, for example. 
And of course, you have to adapt these tools. So Lean is not just evolved, but it's also grown very much. So people need to be aware of what tools really work in what settings. Uh, you know, you can schedule a car plant using uh, just in time in Kanban, but of course, applying that to uh, you know an appendix operation in the hospital is a very different kettle of fish. So um, one has to be <clears throat> selective in what is being applied. That also means you need a great understanding of what actually is out there in terms of tools. And you talk about in the lean toolbox and, and the manufacturing motor industry, the global supply chain. Is that something that can apply uh, to other industries, other sectors too? Well, globalization is a, is a matter of, of facts. Um, of course, there are all sorts of discussions about oil price. Will it rise again? Will we still be able to source parts from India and China? But um, in, this, uh, in today's world, global supply chains are a fact. We are sourcing huge amounts of uh, components and even services from abroad. So when we talk about global supply chains, we need to just understand what this means. Um, it does not mean... Well, it does mean that we're lengthening lead times. It, do, it does mean that we are, of course, generally holding more inventory in these supply chains because we have a six weeks worth of uh, um, shipping lead time to cover. However, it does not mean that you can't be lean. Um, people always assume that in order to be lean, you have to be close by, have very close relationships, just-in-time deliveries, as we've seen in Japan. Um, lengthening the lead time of a supply chain is... Um, in, in operational terms, dangerous as you incur the risk of obsolescence and, um, and of course, dealing with quality problems. But still, you can pretty much implement the same concepts of how to link your supplier in China into your operation as you could if he was uh, close by. So the concept itself um, still works. However, um, there are risks, of course, associated with these global supply chains. And we're now learning about them as the oil price actually hits a very interesting peak in 2008. Uh, that endangers these supply chains, uh, first and foremost. There are security issues too. For instance, in, in energy, you might say, you know, gas coming through Russia isn't safe or something like that. It, it, it is a complex <coughs> concept. But getting back to the recession now, would there be anything that you recommend that companies could do, any lessons that they can learn from the Lean Toolbox 4th edition? Well, yeah, th there are indeed. I mean, uh, as I say, People make a common mistake, and that is to abuse lean as a short-term means for cost reduction or headcount reduction. The two points to make is here, lean is not a short-term tool for, for any of these kind of outcomes. Lean is a long-term strategy philosophy to, to improve your operations, to make it better, uh, to improve the value proposition you bring to your customer. Uh, as I said, as, a, as an outcome, you're very likely to reduce costs. And we've seen tremendous cost reductions, floor space reductions, uh, quality improvements through lean. Um, but we've seen the greatest failures where people simply wanted to uh, reduce 20% of the workforce or uh, wanted to cut costs by 10%. So take a long-term view. It will help you eventually. Um, but what we've seen is that it probably takes about 12 months for these effects to uh, filter down to the bottom line. And some people lose patience all the way through, switch to the next uh, strategy uh, like Six Sigma or uh, quality tools, and that's disastrous. So lesson number one clearly is take a long-term view Lesson number two is um, lean does not happen automatically. Uh, it does not happen bottom up. You need strong senior management support. So es uh, establish a leader within your firm who, who supports it, who drives it, and who says on a daily basis, we need to improve in order to survive. Um, we will do lean and I will support it no matter what. 
And the third uh, lesson I've already mentioned is don't jump between initiatives because you will invariably confuse your, your employees. If you say lean today and Six Sigma tomorrow, uh, people will just sit out these waves of initiatives because they know they'll come and go. Um, so you can do the greatest damage to your motivation if you switch initiatives uh, very quickly. And the fourth lesson that we've learned and, and seen across uh, many implementations that haven't gone well is that you need to set the right performance measures. What you get is what you measure. If you don't set the right performance measures for your employees, how to support the Lean Initiative, uh, it will not go, not go very far for the simple reason that people will want to perform on what they're measured on. If you measure cost, people will want to reduce cost. If you measure uh, quality, they'll try to do quality. So make sure that the measures are in line with what your initiative tries to achieve. Those are sort of the four big lessons. And they are indeed big lessons for day, today. I, are there lessons in terms of the geography of the world as well, so that you could say, well, India and China, be, because they've sort of studied lean in a way, they can cope with the recession much better, but, you know, uh, because they've got lower production costs? Well... The one thing about lean, of course, when it first came about, it was all seen to be Japanese. And uh, still in the 1980s, people were saying, yes, this is all Japanese. It doesn't work in, in the US. That, of course, changed when Numi, the new United Motor Manufacturing uh, Industry uh, joint venture between Toyota and GM, came online in California and turned a GM factory that was one of the worst in terms of productivity and quality and union issues into GM's most productive and highest quality plant with um, still the same people, the same union issues, and all American workers. So lean is not bound by culture. Um, that's a, a, a misunderstanding that dates back to the, the 1980s. Lean works everywhere. Um, it's a matter of education. And there's no reason why a Chinese or an Indian worker can't do what uh, initially Japanese workers learned and then, of course, American and European workers learned. So this is a question of a management system. Um, it's a question of how you treat your, your employees. As we know, lean requires respect. It requires empowerment and it requires motivation. Uh, and last but not least, education. So it is not a question of geography, really. Um, and I don't see how any... Uh, country should have any advantage. Uh, the Japanese uh, did well, but so that the Americans, as soon as they learned how these tools worked. So I would not say there's any geography uh, angle to it. But there is, in the recession, a chance to change and adapt to make yourself as an industry or as a company or as a sector uh, more up to the job. Well, as as strange as it might sound, I mean, the current talk uh, in our field is that uh, this crisis is is an opportunity, and I know this will sound, uh, um, you know, <laughs> almost heretical, um, but it is. Uh, the simple reason is because the recession now allows you to question structures that have been built up over boom periods. So what you can do now is you can question. Uh, um, decisions that have been made in a period of, of stability and also low energy prices. Uh, what we've seen across firms that we're working with is that people are now very open to discussing the very fundamental questions of how their supply chains are built up, how their operations are run. So all of the strategic decisions with regards to sourcing, uh, location of the factory and how the factory is run 
are up for grabs, and that's a great opportunity to to do better and to essentially design a, if you wish, low carbon, low energy, uh, and risk averse uh, operation strategy. And I think those that will get in there first will will come out of this recession as as, as much stronger. But of course, yes, it does require very decisive action at this point in time. So it is an opportunity. Although I know there's doom and gloom talk out there, but uh, do go out and seize it. Matthias Holwig, thank you very much indeed for talking to Judge Business School White Paper podcast series today. It was a pleasure. Thank you.